Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. The number one thing is that we try to model these things for our kids because kind mothers and kind fathers raise kind kids, but it's not an overnight thing. That's Courtney DeFeo referring to a common conundrum for parents, how to teach character values to our kids and model those same values in our own lives. And maybe that's been a challenge for you. If so, we have some help on today's episode of Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, I don't think kindness was a problem for me. Well, most of the time as a dad, but patience certainly was uh, because raising children can bring out the worst in us, and we all need the Lord's help to do that job well. Uh, I'm sure many moms and dads listening right now want to establish a good and healthy foundation for their children, helping them to grow up and become responsible adults and integrate their faith into every part of their lives. That's what Christian parents desire. Yeah, and that's what they tell us when they call. That's one of the main reasons uh, parents contact us. They want help, especially with the spiritual training of their children. A lot of mom and dads, though, don't feel qualified to do that effectively. They they want and need some tools. And that's why Focus is here, to equip and empower you to share your faith with your children. We have so many resources that can help you do that. Uh, one of those resources is a conversation that I recorded a while back with Courtney DeFeo. She's an author, speaker, blogger, and podcast host. And she wrote a wonderful book that we'd like to tell you more about today. The title is, In This House We Will Giggle, Making Virtue. Virtues, love, and laughter, a daily part of your family life. What a great resource. Yeah, and we have copies of that book here at the ministry. Our website is focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast, or call for details, 800, the letter A in the word family. And Jim, I was out of the office as you spoke with Courtney, and so uh, we invite... Oh, you're missing days, huh, John? <laughs> Every now and then. <laughs> so our colleague Kim Troby filled in, and here's how the conversation began with Courtney DeFeo on today's Focus on the Family. You talked about what you thought parenting was going to be like, and then the little ones arrived, and it didn't quite fit with your expectations. Most parents experience that. Talk about that disconnect, what you thought was going to happen and what really happened. Absolutely. The best illustration I can give you is the Pottery Barn Kids catalog. And I don't know of a parent <laughs> out there that didn't flip through those dreamy pictures and Smiling think, children. Yes, they yes. are so cute. Mm -hmm. And my nursery is going to be so clean and lavender. <laughs> and um, the diapers are going to be stacked up just like that. And my kids are going to have these outfits on. And we are going to sit and do a puzzle quietly. And they never get dirty. Right, right. And the shoes are going to look like that. And then these, this thing happened. Um, real people came to live with me. And they actually needed real food. Um, and we had to get them to bed, and it just all kind of blew up. And um, you saw my real sinful self, and anger came out, and frustration with my husband, and the kids needed things, and they cried. And so my reality became really scary. And so I think for most parents, that reality is a harsh thing to face. And so we can either get bogged down by that or get a new game plan to say, how do we keep going in the midst of chaos and either get depressed or just have a new game plan to go with it and enjoy it or give up? Well, and you've written this book, In This House We Will Giggle. And I think most parents, most level-headed parents, want their home to be full of joy and fun. But there are some things they got to do and they got to have responsibility. Talk about that balance, that tension, because uh, that even shows up in the parents themselves. You know, one is perhaps more fun and wants to forget about the chores while the other one 
is all about the chores. <laughs> Absolutely. And there's some a misconception with my book that it's, you know, this is in the absence of discipline. And I think that's far from the truth, that there are some things, some boundaries and discipline that have to happen um, in the basis of this book, that we've got to have boundaries and a safe place for our kids. But as we go about life in Deuteronomy 6, 7, it says, impress upon your children as you go. You know, as we take them to carpool, we can include really important things like virtues. And that's why the book has 12 virtues that are biblically based. And then we can do it in a fun way. So there's less lectures and more laughter. And kids can actually enjoy our homes and not feel like they're just getting the beat down 24-7 on the, who they need to become, <laughs> these good Christian kids. What, what about the parent, though, that they started that direction, but, you know, all the, the load of life. It may even be external. You know, the job, the career is not going the way they wanted. Maybe their marriage is not in a good place. And some of that frustration comes out in the home to where it's uh, not a healthy or joyful environment. Talk to that person today about the realization, this is where I'm at. How do they become more joyful for their kids' sake? Yeah, I think there was a time when I met with my mentor when I was just beat down and I was tired. I wasn't enjoying the journey and it was hard to admit that this is not what I thought it was going to be. And I feel really frustrated about that. And so she had to get honest with me about, you know, is it midweek? Do you need a break? Do you need a babysitter? Are you being honest with your spouse about the demands of the job? Um, And so I think communication is key with your spouse. Or if you're a single mom, communication is key with the people around you. Do you have enough support? Um, So that communication is key. And then just saying, do I need a break? Do I need a two-hour break just to go to Target by myself and get a little sanity here and there? And so that would be my advice is that you get a mentor, a godly mentor in your life to have those open communication. And then you'd be really honest with your spouse um, and then just have some fun. My book has 60 um, ideas on how to giggle. And some of those just silly things get a little bit of joy sprinkled back into your life. And you remember that, hey, I actually like these people and I actually like my family. They're and pretty fun. We're gonna, with yeah. your permission, we'll post, I think, 10 oh, of those yeah, absolutely. 60. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> just to wet people's appetites. Absolutely. Well, you you know what, Courtney? I think that a lot of moms spend their time looking at other people's highlight reels. Exactly. And, and they're living their own documentary. Absolutely. And they're wondering why they're unhappy. Mm-hmm. And you talked about the 12 virtues. Mm-hmm. Describe a little bit more of that outline and tell people what you're talking about when you're talking about 12 virtues. Yeah. When Ron and I were dedicating our children, we were going to a church in Atlanta. Um, the pastor was Andy Stanley. We've since now moved. But they asked us to say, in a dream scenario, what are five values um, that you would hope that your kids kids walk out of the home and they have these values just at the core of who they are. And so when we made that list, it's pretty to write those down and say, I want them to be generous kids. I want them to be kind kids. And But most of these were all biblically based virtues. But then it's tough to say, okay, now how? You know, they don't just wake up and come out patient kids. So that really struck me as how in the midst of feeding my kids, getting them to school, putting them to bed, how do these virtues come to life? How do you bring faith to life in a way that's not a lecture? And so that really became the just passion behind what I was writing about and what I was doing in my own home. And so we started trying to live that out with my young kids. And that became the book. Well, I, you know, the obvious question is when you're trying to teach your kids these virtues, these mm-hmm. values like patience, and then we come home and we're totally out of patience with them. <laughs> right. There is a bit of a disconnect. Here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the misconception, too, is that it's a one-time thing and that I'm going to actually solve it with this book. I'm not. So buy it and enjoy the ideas, but I don't want to dupe you 
you into thinking that it's a one-time, because I'm still impatient. I just moved to a new city, and I want it all to button up quickly now, but I'm actually impatient. I'm going, God, I'm ready for my house to sell. I'm ready. And so my kids are watching. So I think you're right. The number one thing is that we try to model these things for our kids, because kind mothers and kind fathers raise kind kids, but it's not an overnight thing. It's a you know a decade, maybe, or even more of us modeling these things. Well, sure. And, and in that context, what's really helpful is the honesty as a parent to say to your child, I mean, I think it works at every age, really, yes. as long as they can communicate. Um, you know, here's where we're at. This is why mommy's stressed out. Mm-hmm. Just say it so that Absolutely. they know you're not perfect and they know that you're mm-hmm. asking perhaps even for forgiveness from them, yes. that mommy hasn't been patient. And, you know, yeah. those are good things to remember. And I think that really does model for your children how to live a life that isn't perfect, that has some failure, but you're striving to do better each and every day. Absolutely. And the forgiveness chapter, I talk a lot about asking for forgiveness uh, from your children and doing it in a way that they hear it genuinely from you, not just saying, I'm sorry to get the words out, but genuinely asking their forgiveness. And I'll never forget being in carpool. And carpool guys, I'm telling you, when you're driving your kids anywhere, <laughs> they don't have to give you eye- eyeballs. You know, they're looking for, but in the rear view mirror, you can be talking to them. And they often talk more in similar bedtime. They are stalling you because they don't want to go to bed and they are willing to talk sometimes. So I had to offer a big apology to my one of mine for the way I'd acted the night before. And I said, you know what, guys, someone in this car deserves a big apology and their eyeballs got huge like who's gonna be the lucky one you know I said Ella it was you I was so unkind to you last night about your tummy hurting Um, and so it takes a great sense of humility it's embarrassing but I think our kids need to see that over and over and over again that we're not perfect and we're willing to live these virtues out that could be the next title of your book how to live in a carpool with giggles (laughs) I don't think it's possible but well that's where you need most of the giggles I've never seen anybody giggling in that carpool. Hey, I picked no. him up with um, beach balls and lays and all kinds of craziness in carpool. Uh, I'm so sorry, Courtney. Carpools are pretty serious business. <laughs> no phone zone. Stop that. No That's right. Zone. That's yeah. right. And we have numbers. I realized when I went to pick oh, my kids yes. up for the first time, and Jean said, "Remember their numbers." I, what numbers? I don't know. They each have numbers. I didn't know that. I had to say Trent and Troy, and they're going, "No, what's his number?" Because that oh, proves you're his yeah, dad. Exactly. Oh, I don't know his number. I had to get on the phone. Gene, what's the number for the kids? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can embarrass them very quickly. I would love it if you would give us uh, an example of something that a mom could do to encourage gratitude in her kids. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that my mom has taught us is, and this is, it goes back to Deuteronomy 6, 7, just as you go about life. And she, my mom loves nature and her way of showing God's greatness is in nature. And she takes my girls on walks and she says, thank you, God, for, and she'll just say, the trees. Thank you, God, for, and they'll just look around. And I think just getting them in the posture of looking around to see that you actually have so much to be grateful for. And it gets our eyes up off of ourselves and onto other people. And it's so simple for the little ones, but they start going, oh, thank you, God, for the moths and, you know, the flowers that make our you know, sky's so pretty The you know, they just look around, they start naming things and we can do that in the car and everywhere. And then another easy one that's in the book is the give thanks bag. We ask our kids to run around and like a preschool share bag and they have to run through the house and find five things that they're thankful for. It could be a picture of somebody, it could be a toy, it could be a piece of food and they bring it back down and then share it with the family. And then we have them go back out and find five things they're thankful for and then they have to give those things away. And I'll tell you the first time you try it, they may bring back like one Lego or a chewed up <laughs> 
lollipop. So they know they're going to give these <laughs> yes. things away. So they're going they're like, basic. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, try that again with something that you actually care about that another child would actually enjoy. You know? But what a great mm. lesson, though. You can play off of that in terms of the spirit of the heart. Yeah. And so the fact that you brought back a half-eaten Tootsie Roll to give away <laughs> oh is evidence that maybe your heart's not in a great exactly. place. That's that's yeah. terrific. I yeah. like that. And How does that work at 13 and 15 years old? <laughs> yeah, I think it's a similar challenge. It's the same base idea that, um, and, and for both games, I think it's, you know, hey, let's just look around because we can get so focused on the things that are not happening. And, and same with teenagers. They can get really bogged down with the things, a couple things that are going really badly in high school. So let's get them either to write them down or journal about the things that are going really well in the world. Well, that kind of plays into this attitude, especially in more affluent countries. The program airs around the world, but in countries where, you know, we have disposable income, we can lavish uh, upon our kids a lot of gifts. And right. a lot of us do because we like that affirmation as parents. Mm-hmm. How do we make sure that we're not mishandling that, that we're not overindulging the children so they become spoiled? That's yeah, the word. I think it's a big, and it's a challenge for me because I get, I get caught in that because I do see them sad, and I think I know that those toys and those things do lift their spirits, but I do get afraid that that is going to be tied to their happiness and that they will equate that, that if I have a lot of things, I am good. And that is the last thing I want them believing, that they are okay if they have a lot of stuff. So I think it's a good caution for all of us just to remember that actually if we're loved and we remember that we're beloved by our parents and we're you know loved by our Savior, that they're going to be okay. And so I think as parents, we have to remember that's not the ticket to their happiness. And um, we'll talk about joy, um, hopefully in the program today, but there's a difference between happiness and joy. Courtney, let's go ahead and hit it then. I mean, that difference between happiness and joy. Some people may not see a distinction. What is the distinction? Yeah, I think there's a lot of fleeting, very temporary things that make me happy. And um, I will just be honest, TJ Maxx, love it. Makes me very happy. If I'm having a down day, I can just go in there, get a shirt. You know, it makes me temporarily feel good. I've got a new shirt. And the same things can happen for our kids. They've had a bad day. We can go get them a Gatorade. We can give them a milkshake. And that's okay. But if that is our way of parenting and making them feel good, it's not going to last for them. And so I've had these conversations with my girls about lasting joy. And that if God can fill your heart and you feel loved by your parents and you feel a secure home and you feel loved by a Savior that's never going to leave you, that's going to last with you. And so in the joy chapter, we talk about a joy-filled journal. You know how scientists go out and they look and study things? They'll start looking at the world around them and studying that. And so for my girls, we started studying joyful people. And what do you see happy people out in the world that are just happy? Or do you see true joyful people? And I think there's a difference. Mm -hmm. And we know different people in our culture. And they started talking about their teachers and their grandparents and people that are just joyful and people that are happy. You know, you mentioned the chapters, and I think it would be good for us to um, help everybody understand that you've laid out this book in a really great way. It's very easy to follow along. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about how the chapters work and what moms can expect when they get this book. You know, it's tough to fit this stuff in. And so I didn't want another book that's on a great topic and that you can't figure out how to actually apply it. So each chapter, half of it is about the importance of that virtue. And the other half, I wanted to be as practical as possible. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Glenda loves listening to Focus on the Family for her daily dose of godly encouragement. And I am technically... A family of one, never married, unintentionally single, and still found Focus on the Family a rich and valuable resource to my life. 
I'm Jim Daly. Help us strengthen today's families, even families of one. Become a monthly giver at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash joy. Your marriage can be redeemed, even if the fights seem constant, even if there's been an affair, even if you haven't felt close in years. No matter how deep the wounds are, you can take a step toward healing them with a Hope Restored Marriage Intensive. Our biblically-based counseling will help you find the root of your problems and face challenges together. We'll talk with you, pray with you, and help you find out which program will work best. Call us at 1-866-875-2915. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Courtney, let's get practical with some of the great advice you have in the book. Um, The virtue of generosity. You talk about the light them up activity. Now, with boys, as Kim and I would know, that can mean a lot of things like firecrackers. They're all excited about that. Listen, I'm just going to warn you not to search that hashtag, and you'll see a lot of people lighten up some things in the world. So we're not talking about that. No. No. What are you talking about? I'm talking about lighting up your community with kindness. I have always been attracted to just the idea of light that God asked us to be a light in our community and we have to parent that we actually believe that let's parent that we believe God is real and he can work in our kids as little as you know when they began believing in him and so that excited me and as I went to ministries in Atlanta I started figuring out that they had rules no they're too little you know they have to be 14 or 15 legally to come serve at this ministry and I was frustrated and so out of that when um, several years ago before the book even started I started a campaign on my blog called light them up and said I am doing something I and you can join me and at that time I had two or three readers you know my mom and some friends and um, I said join me other moms let's go do something in our community as we go about life and let's see what difference we can make in the community and I cannot tell you what happened I thought let's thank people people who were not thanked. And so we started saying, thank you for picking up our trash. The girls made a poster. They left candy. We started going through the Chick-fil-A drive-thru and thanking the lady that gives me my sweet tea every day. Um, we just went Amen. around and thanked people <laughs> and did things that children can do in a really special way. And it blew up. And I had people all of a sudden in Dubai and in Ukraine and London putting signs on their trash cans. And God just moved through this movement called Light Him Up. And now there's people all over the world doing simple acts of kindness with their children and showing God's love. And you know, they don't even have to say his name. They're just using their kids to say, you can be used by him to light up others with his love. In fact, in the book, you talked about the Dollar Tree oh, story, yes. which I loved. I yeah. was telling my boys that this morning, and they were like, yeah, oh, <laughs> so so talk cool. about that. You know, I think it's funny. As a growing up in a Christian home, there was always a part of me that was looking at the other side, like, well, they're having more fun. They're almost on the cusp of doing something illegal. And so I yeah. always invite parents into, this is where you kind of get on the cusp of illegal nature. Like, sneak in the dollar <laughs> store. Let your kids sneak in with dollars and they hide them all through the dollar store and you put a dollar oh six or whatever your tax is and then you leave a note in there and I have the free printables on my site and it says we just believe it's better to give than receive enjoy this free treat from our family Merry Christmas and you can do this all year long but my girls they're kind of nervous they're like are we going to get in trouble I'm like no this is free it's so good you're leaving money not <laughs> taking yeah, it yeah we're not stealing anything we're leaving money so we run through the dollar store we hide them and we tape them 
And uh, the coolest thing was once we left there, they were so excited and they always want to do more, which is fun. Their hearts start changing and it's less lectures, more laughter, and they're experiencing who we know and not doing what we know. Because I think that's our culture is that we want to start teaching them all these biblical practices and they miss the whole ball game. It's like we want their hearts. We don't want this behavior. And so generosity, I don't have to give them another lecture on generosity because my kids have caught the bug. It's contagious. Mm. So finish that story up. Relieving the dollar store in Orlando there's a huge population of homeless folks because of the weather and my girls are getting used to that and so we were leaving the parking lot and the lady knocked on our window to see if she could clean our window for money and normally I would have said absolutely but I had literally not a dime left because we had packed every bag (laughs) full of money so I waved at her and said I'm so sorry ma'am and we kept driving and my oldest, Alice, said, Mom, go back. Tell her where the money is. And I thought, oh, how awesome that her heart does the right thing. And so I would pull back and said, Ma'am, there's a lot of money in the dollar store. We just hit it through there. And her <laughs> eyes are so big. So now she had she, a, an Easter egg hunt yeah, she could go so for. so she just ran and got all the money. And, um, you know, I thought... Would I have liked a bunch of people to find our little surprises? But what was more important is that my daughter saw the need of a woman who needed some money for lunch. And, you know, I don't even know what she was going to use the money for, but my daughter's heart is turning to do the right yeah. thing and be so generous. Good. That's so much fun. And you Incredible. can take that in all kinds of directions. Yeah. But it is, it's kind of an attitude, isn't it, Courtney? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. we get kind of in the rut and we're thinking, you know, we got to go to work, we got to do this. We don't think of how to have fun in life, how to, Look beyond the boundaries of normal and do some things that really lift up this character that you're talking about, which really is God's heart. Yeah. And I think I fell in love with Jesus again um, in a passionate way when I got out of college. And I think what the big aha for me was like, it is a good thing. Like, it feels awesome to love, to give, to serve. And I don't have to do it anymore. Like, I enjoy opening my own Bible. I enjoy going to do these things. And I want that experience so badly for my children that that gets in to be who they are. Right. And so much of a way that it's not new information for them, that they say, oh, mom, remember when we did that together? I want to do that again. And I have kids reading the book and they're doing that. They experience light them up and then they want to do it for their birthday. So now I have kids doing 10 acts of kindness and light them up for their birthday because it's becoming who they are. Right. Mm -hmm. But talk about, uh, you know, that type of child that maybe their temperament is not quite there. I have one. And and the parent... (laughs) I do too. <laughs> I Kim. am one. Yes, <laughs> I yes, am one. Yes. Yeah, but you know, you're not, it's just not the way yeah, you're wired. You're yeah. not thinking about it that way. How do you, as a parent, how would you motivate that child who's like, whatever? Yeah, I invite that one anyways. Um, <laughs> and my, one of these, my other one, Larsa, is precious and she's gotten involved in so many things. But one particular instance I can remember, we were doing Light Him Up at the mall and I invited her anyways. And she's small and she said, I don't want to do this. And I'm like, okay, we'll just come with us. And so we were handing out candy canes and doing all kinds of holding doors for people people and she says so she have them in her hand I said will you just let me know if you see somebody you'd like to give it to but Ellen and I are going to do this and so I don't you don't want to start lecturing and punish them they're not doing anything wrong you know and so I said you just hold it and so then she saw this old man and he had bags and you know he probably came there to do his one Christmas shopping of the year and she goes that guy and I'm like oh no oh no no <laughs> that guy and I'm like okay great so I had to go up to this man and say hi my daughter has a present for you. And her attitude was still so poor, but she kind of shoved it his way. And I tried to code it over and shove it, you know, explain it to him. But then 20 minutes later, she was the one finally holding the door. But the thing is, we can't get mad at these kids right. and just give it time because he might wait till college or he might be like me. And after college, be the one. But we can't force faith down their throats. OK, now I feel guilty. Yeah. <laughs> How many times yeah. have I said to my boys, yeah. be nice. Come on. Yeah. Do this right. Well, Open too. that door. I 
am too. But it goes back to that point. It's like, believe he's real. And he's going to be the one that changes their hearts. But keep inviting them to the game and saying, hey, mom and I are going to do this. Do you want to come? We'd love to have you. Mm. And we believe in you. We've seen you be so generous, and we think you'd be great at this. Come with us. Well, one that we have, not often, but occasionally, one of our boys will get the giggles as we're about to pray at dinner. (laughs) And, you know, it's usually Troy, who's our boy of joy. And uh, he'll just start giggling. And the other night, I couldn't help myself. It was so funny, just the way he was giggling. And I started to giggle and Gene gave me the eye because that's not the time to giggle. I get that. But what were we going to do? I love it. I couldn't control it and he couldn't control it. And that made us laugh even more. And of course, mom and Trent, they're wanting to pray to the Lord. How do you, where do you go with that? I know we've had a lot of prayers for like frogs and, you know, forks (laughs) and just silliness. And so I think... You know, I think overreacting is there's always an extreme and I I tend to try to land in moderation so we can go over extreme and just freak out every time that they laugh or get silly when we're trying to get them to do something, Um, you know, or we can just go so, you know, we don't care and laugh at everything. And so I just try to find moderation in most of the most of our lives and say, hey, mom really flipped out last night. I'm sorry. Let's try that prayer again. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry. <laughs> and so we do a lot of apologizing. We try to be as authentic as we can. And I try in social media, because you talked about the highlight reel, I try to show anyone that's reading my stuff that we are real. My house is a mess. I snap at my kids. You know, we're doing the best we can, just like everybody else is. But our drive is that they uh, get invited to the game. They understand Jesus is real and that they are so loved in our family. Well, I really love Courtney's last comment there about being as authentic as we can be, because none of us are perfect parents. I think uh, you'd agree with that, John. I would. And the sooner we admit that to ourselves, the better our children are going to do, because we're being real. Uh, God works through our mistakes and imperfections as much as those things we model well. So the bottom line here is that we all need to relax a little bit and trust God for the results. Don't stress yourself out by trying to be the perfect parent. Be good enough and let God take care of the rest. And along the way, you might want to contact Focus on the Family about resources like Courtney's book, In This House We Will Giggle, Making Virtues, Love, and Laughter a Daily Part of Your Family Life. We also have a free online parenting survey. It's called Seven Traits of Effective Parenting. Uh, Invest five or ten minutes and uh, take that survey. You'll have a good overview then of what's working well in your family and maybe an area or two for improvement. Learn about these resources when you call 800, the letter A, and the word family. 800-232-6459. Or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. And as a reminder, we can send Courtney's book to you when you make a monthly pledge of any amount. And the reason we do that is because we're trying to recruit a monthly sustainer team of friends like you who are committed to strengthening marriages, equipping parents, and helping families to grow in their faith. And we need that uh, persistent financial support every month, if possible. You literally provide the fuel that we need to produce programs like this one, develop resources, provide counseling. Uh, our website, and so much more. When we work together, families around the world are helped in amazing ways, literally hundreds of thousands every year. So please consider a monthly pledge today. $10 a month makes a huge difference for needy families. And if a pledge is more than you can do right now, a one-time gift will also be really helpful and appreciated. Again, our number 800, the letter A in the word family, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. 
Coming up next time, we'll continue on the conversation with Courtney and hear how she and her husband parent their children very differently. Ron's gift that is so beautiful is listening. And I'm the one that's constantly making a teachable moment where they're like running for the hills. Oh, here she comes. What are we going to have to do now? It's like, oh, Lord. She's the diary. We just, yeah, we're just trying to get ice cream, and now there's some sort of lesson coming out of the ice cream scoops here. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. You're listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program for your family. Stay tuned. It's time to level up. Give your kids a safe, faith-focused, and biblically-based community, and so much more. Join the Adventures in Odyssey Club. Club members get on-demand access to the exciting Adventures in Odyssey series, including more than 900 episodes. With faith-building activities, parental controls, and a safe online community, the Adventures in Odyssey Club could be your best adventure yet. Learn more and start your free trial at adventuresinodyssey.com radio. It's pretty to write those down and say, I want them to be generous kids. I want them to be kind kids. And But most of these were all biblically-based virtues. But then it's tough to say, okay, now how? You know, they don't just wake up and come out patient kids. So that really struck me as how in the midst of feeding my kids, getting them to school, putting them to bed, how do these virtues come to life? How do you bring faith to life in a way that's not a lecture? Unfortunately, I can tend to do more of that lecture thing with my kids. It just feels so good sometimes. Uh, How about you? Uh, This is Focus on the Family. That's Courtney DeFeo, and she's back with us again. Uh, Last time, she shared that she's definitely uh, a been-there-done-that kind of mom, but she's not afraid to reveal her mistakes as a parent. And I think you'll benefit greatly from this conversation. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, last time we featured a great conversation with Courtney about important character traits uh, we need to pass on to our children, uh, things like gratitude, joy, and generosity. I remember how teaching my boys to say please and thank you seemed like it would (laughs) never end. Those were the big battles back then. (laughs) I mean, thousands of reminders, remember? (laughs) Please and thank you, right? And then at some point, you see them kind of at a distance in a public setting, and they use it, and you're going, I didn't even know they were listening yeah. all those years. <laughs> Today, we're going to focus on a few more of those simple lessons that Courtney outlines in her great book, In This House, We Will Giggle, Making Virtues, Love and Laughter, a Daily Part of Your Life. And that's a great title. It is, and it's just one of the many parenting resources that we have for our listeners here at Focus on the Family. Uh, For example, we have a free parenting assessment, which helps you examine seven essential traits that can help you be more effective in raising your children. And you can learn more about the assessment and Courtney's book at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast, or when you call 800, the letter A, and the word family. And as we explained last time, Jim, I was out of the office uh, when you recorded with Courtney, so our colleague Kim Troby joined you in the studio. And now here's more of that conversation with Courtney DeFeo on Focus on the Family. Let's recap. Last time we did talk a bit about joy, and you uh, talked about in your book the Joyfield Journal. And we didn't get to that. And if you missed the discussion last time, download it, get the CD, whatever you need to do. Contact us here at the ministry, and we'll make sure you get that. But talk about the Joyfield Journal. 
Yeah, I think it was an exercise that my girls and I were talking, and sometimes, even with boys, you can only go so, so far with the discussion. Yeah. You know, so we were talking about the difference between joy and happiness, and then there really is a difference. You can be happy with just fleeting things, you know, a sunrise can make you happy, or a friend at school can make you happy, but some of those things are fleeting. So as Christians, shouldn't we be the happiest people walking around the earth? You know, we have eternity. Without a doubt. You know, we you need to probably stop freaking out, is what I think. You know, we've got some things that are pretty pretty secure in our world. So as we thought about an activity for families, I thought, what if we did a field journal, just like scientists would really study people. And so let's just start making notes as a family and start looking who's happy. You know, is the person at Publix doing our groceries, are they happy or are they joyful? And how do we know the difference? So my girls are little, they're six and eight. And so we started drawing people in our journal and they wrote different things, you know, sunshine. And they wrote, um, they look like sunshine. And they started writing names of people that they thought were truly joyful. And they brought up my mom, which I would totally agree with. She's got Jesus just shining out of her pores. Uh, and then they wrote about certain teachers that they thought were joyful, and I would agree with them. Um, then they wrote something pretty interesting. My little one, who's six, she put the words you, Y-O-U, in both of the hands of the stick figure. And I said, why did you do that, Larson? And they said, she said, because she's thinking of others. And I thought, oh, whoa, yeah. how profound for a six-year-old to think. She's catching it. Yeah. A joyful person is not thinking about themselves. They're thinking of others. And so I think that exercise is just saying, instead of just lecturing them, how do we take an activity? Um, and it's almost like sneaking carrots into brownies. It's like, don't tell them. They're about to get a virtue <laughs> lesson. Don't tell no, me wait you a minute. do that. Yeah. Wait a minute. I no, want to no. know, did <laughs> you make the field journal? You know, I have to look back. That's so funny. <laughs> Whoops. I hope so. Yeah. yeah that's well, awesome. it's a good yeah. it's a good gut check. I think well, they yeah. put themselves in there. Me. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm joyful. I'm joyful. Well, I, I know so. there's going to be a mom listening today, and she just got done refereeing the greatest, you know, WWF battle between right. her three children, and mm -hmm. she's listening to this broadcast, and they don't want to share. They don't have joy. What can she do right now in this moment to bring joy back into that situation? Yeah, and you know, the temperaments, where I think we're going to get there, but everybody's got a different vibe in their home. And I have been accused of being Pollyanna. So the person, what I would do is a little bit different than what my sister would do. And we are just different mobs. And so I may break into a song or literally have a dance party. And I'm a queen of distraction, you know, turn on the most ridiculous song and start dancing to distract them out of it. Um, or just change the scenery. We change the scene a lot. You know, if it's a, a major situation that needs to be dealt with, I don't, you know, if they need to be disciplined, we would sit down and they would apologize and we would deal with it but if it's something that's like hey they just need to get out of the house and go run the lap or just get out and just distract them we will do that too um, I have shocked one of my children out of a tantrum which is singing I've got the joy 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 down in my heart and she because I sing um, terribly she was shocked that I just started singing in the midst of her tantrum but I think it was just so shocking that mom I'm having a fit here about my socks and why are you singing so it, it really yeah, shut her down it set her down but I think there it's not always the thing. You do need to handle the situations with correction, of course. Um, but changing the scene is one of our go-to situations for it, sure. And you mentioned the temperament side, because I think, you know, oftentimes as couples, married couples, opposites attract. Typically, mm -hmm. I know 
that isn't always the case. Absolutely. Um, what if it's not your natural bent? What are those things you can do? Do you have to schedule it? Do you have to be that disciplined to say, okay, from three to four, we're going to have joy. Yeah. And yeah. we're going to do it this way. What do you do if you're not naturally given to bursting into a song when your kid's throwing a tantrum? Yeah. That's not normal, by the way, Courtney. I know, I know. And I think... I love it. I'm so glad you brought this up because I think the comparison game is one of the biggest problems right now in motherhood. And so How does it play out? Social media has only worsened our situation. We've given us more exposure and more tools than ever before, but it's just highlighted the best of everybody's world. And I'll give you an example. My sister and I are dear friends and close, but we could not be more different. She has two boys. I have two girls. I am an idea person. I crave ideas and things to do, and I'm highly creative. And she would rather have about two friends and two things to do in a day and be quiet and not do much in a day. I'll have 90 things to do and 90 friends. And and so what she does with my book and my ideas is she goes through patience, or maybe she's looking at generosity. She uses it as a resource. If she needs an idea or inspiration, she will look at it as she needs it, but she is not using it as a handbook and she will not pick it up and do a hundred ideas. She may try one and she thinks about her boys, her plate, her giftings, and she's just mature in her faith and is not getting rocked and she doesn't stay on social media. I'm so proud of her. Well, and that's part of it. Maybe there's not a one size fits all. You're trying to give people tools to um, accommodate or to customize Mm -hmm. so that they can use them in your home. For those that didn't hear last time, talk about the structure of the book and what a person can expect. How do you link the observation and then the idea or the exercise to help your child better understand the attribute. Just pick yeah, one. Yeah, absolutely. Let's pick patience, for example. Um, in the first part of the chapter, you'll hear about why patience is just an important virtue and why that's something you might consider as a family for something that you instill for your children and why that could be a focus for even just pick one month out of the year that your family might focus on that. And then the second half of the chapter just gets really practical, how you could teach that in your home that month. So we provide a definition, a kid-friendly definition, which would be waiting with a happy heart. And then there's a verse to go with that. So your kids can memorize that or you can keep referencing a verse to go with that. And again, you concentrate on that for an entire yeah, month. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not rushed because I think even as parents, and I go back to when they were little, we want to teach them to don't throw food off the high chair and <laughs> say please and thank you. And don't forget to put your laundry in the thing. We teach them 50 things at once when they need to learn one or two things at a time. So if we can really focus and not overwhelm ourselves as parents um, and just focus on one thing. The hard month. part about that, and I get that, is mm-hmm. do you just let those other things go? then until another time comes around? No, I think we just don't make them all a major deal. It's like pick your battles. You know, if we're harping, everything's major Ouch. and they're feeling just beat down. You know, yeah. think about us. If our parents were constantly emailing us saying, hey, I heard you on Focus on the Family today and you talk too fast and you missed that beat and I wish you wouldn't have said that, you know, I would be like, dad, did I do anything right? Did I say something encouraging? You know, so I think as parents, we just have to think about even us and our insecurities. Like, is there something we're doing well? Is there something we could just say, hey, these are going to fall in the encouragement category. We're going to keep affirming them on these sides. And then we're going to, these are the two or three main deals. You know, Courtney, it strikes me what you're talking about is the utter attitude of the Lord toward us. I mean, the difference between the Pharisee saying all those things, Mm -hmm. you know, the legalistic religious people saying, hey, you're not doing that right. You're not doing this right. And the Lord's saying, just come and love me. Yeah, because I love you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think about our homes, and you think about your own homes. Was it a house of fear, 
or was that a house of joy and love? And it wasn't perfect. My house wasn't perfect, but I remember what my mom did and how she lived out Christ for me and not all the lectures. I remember her being generous. I remember how she invited people into our home. I remember how she handled my mistakes and same with my dad. And so as I think about even the home that we all run back to my parents' house now for vacations because we just feel like we belong there. And so as I think about my girls, I know they might be they might do their own thing in college too, like I did. Embarrass me. Like I embarrassed my parents, but um, it's okay. You know, it's, they're going to make mistakes. And so I don't want them striving to be good Christian kids that make that author mom proud and do everything just perfect. <laughs> you know, I want them at the end of the day having a real relationship with God. And mm-hmm. I want them having joy. And I want them um, just feeling like they belong in our walls and they can walk in no matter what they're dealing with. Mm, and it's really well said. It, let's finish the patient side of this, though. Sure. You brought it up. Let's talk about it. Every mom and dad wants their son or daughter to be patient. And usually we lose our patience in teaching them how to be patient. Yeah. Talk about that activity level that you get to in the book and what would be some examples well, of how to, I, um, how to do patience. I come to you as an expert because yeah. I am one of the most impatient <laughs> people on the planet. I love it. Yes, thank you. Um, so one of the things that we do is a simple one, but uh, we time our littlest one with our iPhones and just say, how long literally can you sit here and not talk? So just the old timer is like, and how well does you? that work? Uh, she started with like 12 seconds and she's worked <laughs> yeah. up to like two minutes. We're like, Do That's I, pretty you good. You really have to do that yeah. sometimes yeah. because they can just literally talk all day long. <laughs> oh, we had know? it last yeah. night. Trent, yeah. for some reason, wanted to bug Troy. So during a game, Troy was watching on television. Trent just started yapping and he wouldn't stop. It was getting so <laughs> irritating. I was saying, Trent, stop it. And he goes, well, I'm just having fun with them. And Troy's going, Dad, get him out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> it was just this like, what are, we, what are we teaching each other here? Absolutely. How to get frustrated. One of the wonderful fruits of the Spirit, frustrating your brother. Yes, absolutely. Well, for patients, the activity is, again, more geared to little ones. But the application of so many of these is we are raising eventually adults. You know, I want my kids to not only be patient for a cookie, but eventually they're going to wait on a spouse. And they're going to wait on a job. And they're going to wait on their house to sell. Like, I'm so so impatient about my house. So eventually they're going to say, okay, Lord, I trust that you have something better coming and I'm willing to wait. And so these are just profound virtues that we're practicing as little ones. And that, so the idea and the activity is that you give them something in a brown bag that they can't see, but you're going to say, if you'll trust me, this is better for later. But right now you could eat this candy. So which one are you going to choose? A, the candy, or are you going to wait for tomorrow and get the better reward? And they, my kids both chose the bag. You know, they, they were pretty smart and said, okay, we'll do the bag. No, you next wouldn't day, trick them on purpose, would no, you? No, no, So the next, what, yeah, what was in the bag? That would have been my question. What's okay, in the bag? Because you I know. don't cook, bake, or anything. It was, you know, box brownies. Some people oh. would do something else, you know, but we did some box brownies the next day and they were so fired up because I don't ever get in the kitchen. So they're like, we're making brownies? So they were so excited to get in the kitchen with me and they made <laughs> and brownies. Stir some and, water yeah, in stir, there. Yeah, stir <laughs> and crack an egg. That was like shocking for my family. So it's just the idea that, again, we don't tell them what we're doing. We're about to have a family lesson on patience. Like, hey, come here, girls. I have a little trick for you, a little game. And they they loved it, and they get it. And so it's over time. We keep practicing and talking about these virtues in a way that's not a lecture. It's more like laughter and more an experience. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. My favorite thing about Brio is that you can actually absorb stuff from it and learn. Reaching teen girls right where they're at with encouragement to grow in their faith. The stories in the Brio magazine about other people that have gone through things way worse 
that I have is really inspiring and uplifting. Help your teen invite God into her everyday experience with Brio Magazine. Learn more at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Brio Radio. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. You talk about keeping a faith journal, which I think is great. Mm. I don't do it. I need to. I keep it in my head, Mm. which is not (laughs) the best place to keep anything. (laughs) 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 We'll just leave it at that. But the the idea of writing down what God has done in your life and in people's lives around you, uh, is that what you do? Yeah, this is the idea that came up for the faith chapter. My brother is a pastor in Atlanta, and he and I have great conversations. And he's my kid brother, nine years younger, and promise you, he's wiser than um, all of us combined in our family. But he was saying, I just want my kids' bedtime stories to become faith tales. You know, why can't, and they live happily ever after, these stories of how God actually worked in the lives of our family members become so intriguing to our kids that that's what we put them to bed with. And so he said, I want them to know Noah and uh, Moses and Ruth and all Mm. the stories of the Bible. But I also want them to know that one time Pop had a hard time and he prayed and here's where God showed up. And Mm. and one time Aunt Courtney had a dream to write a book and she did it. And here's where God showed up. And so he said, what if we start capturing those for our kids? And they had a record of that. And so I thought that is the idea, Drew, because faith, our definition is knowing, loving and following Jesus. And so if I want that become um, real and so that when they doubt, because it's not if, when they doubt that Jesus is real, they can come back and say, I have evidence, not only in this book that's 2,000 years old, but in a book about my family members. Um, and so what we can also talk about, if you're new to faith, that could be a challenge, but you can start right there. Oh, Absolutely. Sure. You know, you talk a lot about leaving a spiritual legacy. And someone might be listening out there today, and you just mentioned maybe they're a new Christian, or maybe they just haven't thought about Mm -hmm. the good things that God has done for them. Talk a little bit about what you mean by leaving a spiritual legacy for your home. And so for folks that this is a new topic, and this is new for your kids, it can be overwhelming to say, how do I pass on what I don't even know to my children? And I think you just start. And I think you start asking God, how do I do this? And you can be one second ahead of your children and learn something new at church and just get them in the car and say, guess what I heard this morning? And I want to share it with you and say, hey, let's pray together and let's see what happens. And so you are teaching your kids every day as you're growing in your own faith. And that is a brilliant way to do it. I think, unfortunately, sometimes the parents that are more structured uh, don't comprehend that that can actually be achieved by the other parent who may be doing it on the go. Yeah, that's Uh, right. Now, I'm not speaking from personal experience. What? (laughs) But, you know, one of the things I enjoy is driving uh, the boys to school, which is early now. And uh, about 7 o'clock we take off. And in that drive time, which is about 20 minutes for us, there is so much you can cover. But it really, it's a reminder to do intentional parenting. Mm -hmm. Don't let this time just slip on by thinking the kids are somehow going to grab those things you want to teach them, but you're not asking them about it. Yes, absolutely. And, And there's a value in that for the parent who wants the structure and the devotional time around the dinner table. Don't be too hard on your on your mate, on your spouse, oh, yeah. who is finding a different way to communicate. And Absolutely. the fact that both are working is actually, I think, a benefit to the child. 
for them to have it coming at them in both directions, something structured, Mm -hmm. something unstructured, is beautiful, especially if they're willing to participate in both. Amen. I think Ron's gift that is so beautiful is listening. And I'm the one that's constantly making a teachable moment where they're like running for the hills. Oh, here she comes. What are we going to have to do now? It's like, oh, Lord, she's just trying to get ice cream. And now there's some sort of lesson coming out of the ice cream scoops here. So I think, you know, every parent brings their gift. And one of the best things we can do is be quiet and Mm. just ask them about their day and listen and ask them what they think about a topic and maybe not even insert an opinion and just listen to them. We will often, the Christian culture, we want to go in and fix and do and teach and tell people what we know when we just need to be humble and serve and say, how can we help your community? Mm. We need to listen more than we lecture. Let me ask you about um, the idea of responsibility. That's one of the other virtues in your book, the 12. (laughs) And, you know, you start at a young age and you start with them doing some chores, and Mm -hmm. then they get older. Now, our kids, all three of us, are at different stages. Kim, your boys are grown and gone. Mine are teenagers. Yours are still little Mm -hmm. ones. My goodness, we're doing responsibility training from zero to 30. Right, (laughs) right, yes. Why is it such a hard concept for these little ones, and they grow into bigger ones, to learn responsibility? What have we done wrong that they're not getting it? Well, I may need to ask you because here I have I've discovered a problem in my home. So we just moved, as you know, and I had someone come help me do some organizing and moving. And as she pulled out everything of my closet, I discovered I have a lot of systems that I started. <laughs> and I have Zolcho execution. She's like, what are these jars? I'm like, well, that was that was this chore thing that I started and anyway we can give that away empty it's, jars yeah yeah and then she pulled out another one I'm like well that was that responsibility well yeah we can donate that and uh, so I just realized that man I have a problem with moving on to the next cool thing on Pinterest and I probably created half of them and they're you know on my site of great ideas <laughs> and the problem I feel like is that we it is hard to execute it is hard to stay on the kids and make them do work that they don't want to do because work is work and it's not easy um, but we're doing a favor to them. Um, we're doing a favor to their wives and their husbands, for goodness sakes, when we say, and you actually have to learn to do laundry and put your yeah. food away. You know, there's things that you're going to have to learn to do. Um, and it builds up their esteem, actually, to feel like they're capable of doing something in the world. So my problem, and I'm not an expert, mine are little, is that I need to just pick something. You know, there's not a trick system out there. There's going to be have to be one, just like weight loss. It's like, pick one. You know, eat less and exercise, but pick it and stick with it. One of them will work if we're consistent. And I know for me in my house, it's easier to just do it myself. I'm like, I'll make their bed in two seconds, but they take all day. I'm like, are we still doing the <laughs> yeah. pillows? Yeah. Why are they still yeah. in there making their bed? Oh, yeah. So, but I think we do them a great um, disservice if we keep doing their work for them. Well, and Jean's really good with that. I mean, I'm yeah. constantly throwing wrappers away yeah. in the kitchen that are left on the counter. It's just that you're just enabling. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you're an enabler. I'm saying, no, term, I'm a getter dunner. I heard the term lawnmower parent the other day. Have you heard this? No, what's no. this? Okay, well, it was a helicopter parent for a while, and now they said the lawnmower parent is the one that just keeps smoothing things out for their Ooh. kids. And oh, I thought, I that's. I'm yeah. a lawnmower parent, I think, because yeah. I do want it to be smooth. And my mom was so great. She made our lives really easy. My mom was fantastic. And I see that in me. It's like, hey, I want them to have their snacks ready. And I want to put it in their backpack because I want to get out quickly in the morning. And it's like, 
but they should be able to know how to pack a lunch. And so in me is the parent that wants smooth, easy life for my kids. But the best thing I could probably do for them mm. is to say, hey, <laughs> this is how you pick a vegetable. And here's how you pick a fruit. And here's how to pick a healthy choice for your lunch. But, man, it's easy to just grab it. For yeah. them. So <laughs> well, I struggle, so true. too. Hey, yeah. We were cleaning the basement the other day. And uh, I remember Gene said to the boys, have you cleaned everything up? And then we do inspection. <laughs> <laughs> There's a real problem and, with yeah. semantics in that. Correct. Have you cleaned and then everything right up? Right by yeah. this overflowing toy box happened to be some dirty clothes and some wrappers. There's a theme here, aren't there, with wrappers? Yes, yes. And so Gene pulls them out, and the boys quickly are going, "That's not my wrapper. It's his wrapper." <laughs> the accuser. The accuser, yes. and you know nobody knew whose wrapper it truly was. We got through the clothes okay, yes. but it's that kind of thing with responsibility that you're constantly fighting. Yeah. And I, I thought to myself, maybe what we should do is just all of our trash at the end of the day we should throw into the boys' room. Yeah. And maybe yeah. they'll get the last That's right. You, but you know, the, the sad truth of it is they probably go, that's all right with me. I don't care. <laughs> My word. Yeah. They have to feel you some know. consequences at some level for sure. But do we have time to talk about financial responsibility? Sure. Let's do it. Yeah. The activity in that chapter is about um, give, save, live. It's like, how do we teach them early on that there's implications to their financial responsibility? Because the big lesson for me was the target dollar section. Every time we would walk through there, it was my crutch. Like, just get something. If you'll just be quiet for an hour, you mm. can just grab something. So every time it became an expectation, they just thought, well, we get something every time we walked in And if in you there. didn't get it, you get louder. Right. right. And so I thought, I am setting up a terrible <laughs> system here. And so then I started thinking, they've got to understand that money is just not growing on trees. You know, did your grandmother say that? And uh, so we set up the jars. And based on, you know, Dave Ramsey and Andy Stanley, everybody said it, give, save, live, or give, save, spend. And so we did my little money jars, and we created these jars and I sold them for a little while but now there's a system how you can just make them um, and so now they label them and what I love is that when you put a chalkboard label on there they get invested it's like they get to say where do they want to give they get to say what they're saving for and they get to write on there what they're spending and so all of a sudden they're like I want an iPod and so <laughs> you can help them decide or I'm saving <laughs> for a bike or and so now their spending section says target dollar and I'm like well go look in your jar if you've got money to spend you grab it but I'm not buying you this stuff anymore right and so then this give discussion we had this greatest talk the other day i drew a circle and i showed them 10 percent and 10 percent, and the rest is spent and i said dad and i are trying to change the pie chart and i explained to them so what if we got bigger in our give what if we got bigger in our save and we just lived on less and we kept changing this and talked to them about what the bible says and their eyeballs just got bigger and we put pennies and quarters in there and so i think that discussion for them as early as you can is so helpful for them to understand how money works and how responsibility can work with their money. And these are such good things uh, to think about as you're parenting your children so that they end up ready to launch. That's what we're talking about. How do they leave the home with patience, with kindness, with uh, responsibility Mm -hmm. and knowing what it means? Uh, Your book really covers all of it. And Mm -hmm. I'm so uh, grateful to you. We're going to start. And probably as long as your kids are in the home, no matter what their age is, you can apply these principles to your teenagers as well as your three, four, five-year-olds, right? Absolutely. And Courtney DeFeo, her book again, uh, In This House We Will Giggle. I love that, by the way. Um, thanks for being with us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. And that's how Jim Daly concluded this two-part conversation with Courtney DeFeo on Focus on the Family. And we certainly hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. 
and that you'll follow up by getting a copy of Courtney's wonderful book. Courtney has a winsome message for parents, and she offers a great reminder about maintaining that solid relationship with your children through the good days and the challenging ones. And I think her book is a wonderful resource for families today. And we can send that to you when you make a monthly pledge of any amount to focus. That's our way of saying thank you for helping us encourage and equip parents like we've hopefully done today. Your monthly support enables us to have resources and programs in place for the hundreds of thousands of parents who will contact us during this year for help. They're looking for spiritual discipleship tools to share their faith with their kids, or they may be facing a crisis with a prodigal child. With your help, we can meet those needs and help those families. So please give as you can to focus. A monthly pledge will be great, or a one-time gift is also deeply appreciated. Mm, Donate generously as you can uh, when you call 800, the letter A in the word family. Request Courtney's book when you get in touch. Again, 800-232-6459, or you can donate and get the book at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. And another reminder that when you're on our website, we have a free parenting assessment for you to take. It's a terrific way to determine what's working well in your family and uh, maybe find out an area or two where you could improve. And I really urge you to check that out and spend five or ten minutes with that free parenting assessment. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ. Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.